You're listening to WVEWLP Brattleboro 107.7 FM, your community radio station. Also streaming live online at WVEW.org. This is Indigo Radio every Sunday at 1 p.m. We also replay on Mondays at 2 p.m. We are a group of educators seeking to learn through engaging with others in our community and throughout the world. We are also a project of the Spark Teacher Education Institute. You can find us on Facebook at Indigo Radio and on Instagram. Our shows are recorded and will be uploaded to our SoundCloud and iTunes. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the host and guests, not the radio station. This is Anna Milani for Indigo Radio. I am faculty with the Spark Teacher Training Institute and currently a visiting professor at Clark University. Today, a few of my Clark undergraduate students in my public health course host a show on an important yet less talked about reproductive health issue, that of menstrual equity. These students discuss the issue of menstrual inequity at Clark University in Worcester, Massachusetts. And this is from the students. They said, we chose to discuss menstrual equity because of its lack of visibility and the taboo around menstruation. Thanks so much for joining us, and I'm going to hand it over to my students. Welcome to Free Flow Podcast, the podcast where we'll be discussing menstrual equity on our college campus. We're all students at Clark University, which is a small liberal arts university in central Massachusetts. Our aim for this project is to bring light to a public health issue that is often viewed as a personal matter. We want to bring it into public conversation, however. This is why we have decided to speak about menstrual equity. Before we get into it, let's introduce ourselves. Hi, my name is Mahair. I'm a senior at Clark University, majoring in geography. I identify as a cisgendered woman. Hi, my name is Cam. I'm a senior at Clark University studying education, and I identify as a cisgender woman. Hi, my name is Amy. I'm a senior at Clark University studying economics, and I also identify as a cisgender woman. Hi, my name is Chloe. Uh, I'm a freshman studying psychology, and I also identify as a cisgender woman. Now that we've introduced ourselves, let's get into what menstrual equity is. Menstrual equity can be defined as a public health issue that affects middle and low income people who menstruate. Our discussion is focused on menstrual equity on college campuses, which involves these specific environmental factors, stigmatization due to lack of awareness, misinformation, and gender stereotypes, school policies that don't support or facilitate period management, improper sanitation, and lack of access or affordability with period products or quality health services. More broadly and thematically, um, menstrual equity demonstrates menstruation's capacity to further social and economic inequity. Menstrual equity has proven to be a large issue because of the unequal access to menstrual care, whether that be period products, safe spaces like private bathroom or healthcare access. One research by Lance in 2021 mentioned that menstrual equity plays a critical role in promoting gender equity and social justice. As assured that like those who lack 
courses will comfortably have access to products while on their periods. By evidence, it is clear that female students, especially those from low and middle income countries, have been traumatized by menstruation as menstrual equity is not taken into consideration seriously. Another existing problem is that girls have been experiencing discomfort with period management at school due to policy about restricting access to bathroom, as there are not, also not enough menstrual health and hygiene products and education on campus, their anxiety have affected their participation in the classroom. There have been various findings that emphasize the importance of menstrual equity, especially within the environment of colleges and university. One research by Lens in 2022 has pointed out the lack of provider competency for trans and non-binary people who menstruate in clinical interactions. On the other hand, period poverty is also another big issue to tackle. Statistically, there's an association between the inability to purchase menstrual health product and negative mental health outcomes, such as depressions. Regarding policy that support menstrual equity, conversation generating strategy with evidence has been a successful proof of motivating change in policymaking and menstrual equity bills. In addition, applying those lessons and experiences from early Im implementation, such as like variants or distribution methods, is another critical step to improve policymaking for menstrual equity on campus. Through our research into this issue, it was evident that well-planned-out solutions were needed in order to make lasting change, especially on college campuses, including our own. One thing that we found was that many researchers pointed to how solutions to the menstrual equity issue should lie as a conversation between both students and the administration. Students need to be involved in implementing solutions for this issue as they are the ones primarily affected. And if they, if the administration works with students hand in hand, it will help for students to feel more comfortable in advocating for themselves when it comes to this issue and will help to create more public awareness for this issue as students can talk um, with others about uh, new plans that have been implemented um, in order to help uh, those who need access to menstrual products uh, for them to acquire these. Another important um, point that we wanted to mention was the need to frame this issue as one that is a basic hygiene need and something that is not up for debate, but rather a necessity. Um, Seeing as a large portion of our college campus menstruates, we need to frame this as it is essential as, let's say, having access to toilet paper or other um, uh, products that are used for sanitary reasons. By framing it this way, we, we can um, highlight the urgency and the need for these products as they are imperative for students to be able to go about their day and be successful um, in their lives at the university and beyond. We also wanted to highlight that there 
should be what is described as a user-informed design, meaning that once a plan is implemented, um, the administration should take into effect uh, student um, concerns as well as um, things that may have gone well or not so well in order to then um, revise what was done in order to create a more successful um, method of helping to uh, make access to these products more equitable. Um, if it is only the administration um, acting in the way that they feel would help, and if the students have no voice in this matter, then it will not lead to an equitable distribution of these resources and uh, will not help to increase public awareness that these resources are available for those who need it. That is also an important element because making sure that those who need these resources are aware that they are um, free and available for students is incredibly important. And to make sure that it is seen as something that is available for anyone so that uh, stigma around this issue or feeling insecure about asking for these products is um, lowered so that everyone can feel comfortable getting these products when needed. In our public health class this semester, we have been talking about public health issues that face society by examining the agent, host, environment, and structural model. This model demonstrates all the components of a public health issue. For example, the agent would be the disease or the ailment that faces society, or the host more specifically, which is the person or group in which the agent affects. Next, environmental factors refer to external factors that influence the agent and increase any opportunities for the agent to be exposed to the host. Lastly, there are structural components to this model that demonstrates that social circumstances and medical circumstances for some public health issues are reconstructed and reinforced by structures and systems in society. So in the case of our chosen public health issue, menstrual equity would be the host or the issue facing the agent, which would be people who menstruate, which would be in our environment, which would be environmental factors like stigma or lack of awareness. And then structural issues might be said to be capitalism or things like the pink tax. So in terms of relating menstrual equity to Clark, um, it's significant because of the institution's liberal reputation that prides itself on being inclusive. And while stigmatization may be less of an attributing factor at Clark, issues around accessibility and affordability remain to be resolved for the large population of menstruating students who also come from varying socioeconomic backgrounds. Students who are residential advisors have reported having to provide period products to students with their own money to combat the issue. Um, but we know that this is unsustainable and also an unreasonable ask. Uh, for students considering the amount we uh, we pay in tuition. Some students have also had to resort to using folded up toilet paper as a way to compensate for the lack of period product dispensers and disposable units available in student bathrooms. Um, and there's an overwhelming sentiment of having access to affordable or free period products as a basic human right and recognition for how a lack of access greatly impacts menstruating students 
ability to learn. Menstrual equity and reproductive care should also be prioritized as much as their education, as much as education, because of the direct impacts poor period management have on a student's capacity to gain the most of their education. Now that we've introduced menstrual equity and explained why it's an important public health issue on college campuses, we thought a good way to gauge the level of awareness at Clark around menstrual equity was to interview our fellow Clark peers. In the following segment, you'll hear the thoughts and feelings of our peers regarding four different questions about menstrual equity, followed by a short discussion between me, Amy, Meher, and Chloe about what they said. We interviewed three cisgender women and one cisgender man. first question we asked our peers was, what does menstrual equity mean to you? Menstrual equity, essentially what it means to me is freedom. You know what I mean? This is a basic human right. You know, women, we go through periods. It's totally natural. It has to be accepted in the society. And sometimes it's not. I know in a lot of third world countries, it's actually not accepted. And I can kind of go into that later into the interview. But my parents are both from India. And, you know, although I grew up here, I was born here, back over there, it's not really accepted to have your period. There's a whole religious kind of component, like when you get your period, you're not allowed to step into the temple, you have to isolate yourself for seven days, pads, they're not really accessible, tampons are purely a westernized concept, once westernized product, and so it's not really accepted over there. And you know, when I first came to Clark, I was actually really shocked that they didn't have free pads and free tampons. You know, I was interested as to what the reason was because I know a lot of colleges do have those products readily available, but I'm really glad that there's an organization now on right. campus that's kind of working to support that. Um, menstrual equity, I guess, is like there, there's certain products that that people who have periods need to use in order to get through their menstrual cycles, uh, whether it be tampons, menstrual cups, pads, whatever. And a lot of these products aren't provided, aren't readily available for a lot of people um, who need them. And either that or they are costly you know, it, to obtain, basically. So that, that sort of creates this sort of gap in society where people who have periods need to sort of, I don't know, do, uh, facilitate that for themselves even though they don't have a choice. Um. I feel like menstrual equity like indicates the fact that everyone has access to menstrual products without needing to worry about it like economically like socially uh menstrual equity to me means that no matter who you are you have equal access to period products period health care and other necessary resources question was just kind of the different perspectives and different takes on what people define menstrual equity as. 
um, especially the first response about kind of like an international view and sort of orienting ourselves within menstrual equity and how sort of we are a bit privileged in comparison to some other parts of the world, but still there can be work done. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, um, Cam. I think uh, I think overall, like it, it, it was very reassuring to hear that through these diverse perspectives, whether, you know, um, from an identity standpoint or from like a cultural standpoint, um, people had um, a good, they were able to kind of speak very, um, oh my God, they were able to um, talk about menstrual equity um, in a way that that really aligns with a lot of our discussion. Um, oh wait, no, do I say that? Really aligns with a lot of the literature that we've had to review. Um, and so there is this reassurance that there is that level of awareness on campus, but at the same time, um, you know, it is a reminder that like, that an issue like menstrual equity um, is so like you're not able to not be aware of it if that makes sense like there's it's it's good that there's a level of awareness but that reminds us that um you you kind of aren't able to um exclude yourself from this issue um because it is so um pervasive it is you know even from the male perspective we heard um he was able to speak a lot more uh, on the issue um, and even touch upon how the, the public health aspect of it, where um, there is this um, need for uh, products to be more accessible and more affordable. Yeah, I totally agreed. Um, I think it's very interesting to learn from different perspective about have a good thing menstrual equity is as a person like on, as an international student as well i i'm totally aware that like menstrual equity is not something that is highly spoken in asian country um especially um it was very interesting to hear from one of the interviewees perspective in terms of like you have to isolate yourself when you get the period and that was really eye-opening for me um i would never know it if I had never had these kind of conversations so I think it's very important um that we are and we will become more aware of this issues um not only on campus but also uh, in other community as well yes I thought the use of the term freedom uh was very impactful um when the first person that was interviewed said that menstrual equity is freedom, basically. And I agree in the sense that, you know, having access to these products is, it's something that should be looked at as a basic human right, um, because it's not something that we can control or we can stop. Um, it's part of our everyday existence um, and we need it in order to thrive. And so I thought the use of the term freedom was very um, applicable because it allows us to go about our daily lives um, without any sort of hurdle due to a, a basic, um, you know, function that we go through um, that we can't really control. Moving on, the second question we asked was, 
Have you had any conversations surrounding menstrual equity on campus? Actually, you know, a good friend of mine is, is on the menstrual equity organization. And it was so interesting because I didn't really think twice about it. I just thought that it was going to be readily available. It wasn't until I believe my freshman year, which was what, two years ago at this point? Yeah, three years ago, that it was a conversation. It was like, this is a outrage. We need to have these products readily available. And actually that's, I believe, when the menstrual equity organization mm -hmm. at Clark started to begin and kind of found it up is around my freshman year. Because I remember that there was this Instagram post going around being like, sign this form for free right. pads, sign this for free tampons. And so it was around then where I realized that this was a true issue and I'm really glad that they're getting resolved and that they're getting pads and tampons accessible. But yeah, no, that's when I started kind of talking about it, listening to about it um, during campus during freshman year was, was that. That um, I think affects a lot of people because again, there there are many many menstruators, um, just generally, and that statistic actually doesn't surprise me because there I because I know that there isn't much being done in the way of menstrual menstrual equity. There there are a lot of colleges, a lot of institutions taking initiatives, but it doesn't surprise me that there are a lot as well who aren't um, supporting their menstruators. Yeah, I, I did have like several conversations with like people mm -hmm. who are not from Clark, my friends from other colleges talking about how like it's like expensive, like mm -hmm. menstrual products, for instance. I feel like the one that I'm using like is 10 bucks per box mm -hmm. that could only last for like two cycles, cycles yeah. which really does not make sense. Like. Yeah. And you have to always think about oh, needing to go get them, like, and it's just annoying sometimes. Like, because that's the only product that, like, fits me the best, like, feels the most comfortable with, mm -hmm. but then like, I need to take the time to go to, like, the market to get them. Mm -hmm. The price is not friendly to me, mm -hmm. and I just feel like I've talked to some of my peers, like, from other places sharing this problem though like I told my friends that like oh my college like Clark offers like free you know there's like free stations where you can get them but I feel like they're useful obviously but then because they're not the ones that I use normally so like it's kind of tricky right there like there's this like kind of uh, aspect to the issue yeah yeah exactly I honestly haven't really had any of these conversations in my business management classes but I do follow Clark's Menstrual Equity Club on Instagram and I do wish I was involved with more of these conversations because I do think they're really important. Definitely helpful to have that conversation around menstrual equity on campus but I also agree that like even there's a group or like some organization on campus. I when I first came here and rationally toward like the end of junior year up to now senior as a senior, um, sometimes I was still not aware like how to get those products. Um, so I usually just 
um bought like the product the period products uh for myself and I I like sometimes the product doesn't I agree like they don't really fit what I was looking for so I think that it's it's great to have conversation to come up with like improvements and uh better way to approach the issues but there also need some some more actions and awareness as well yeah um I I think uh well I was I was expecting that uh that it wasn't going to be surprising to many of our interviewees and I think that's evident uh, especially what they were able to all talk about in um in defining what menstrual equity means to them I think it's very clear um that there is this awareness um and then there's also this uh, aspect of choice I think that that I mean as well as affordability and accessibility um I think it was interesting to see how the element of choice came through in um in these particular answers as well um like kind of having to um settle for the for the products that are available to you which I think is useful in maybe um really trying to understand how we define uh accessibility affordability you know could it be uh because because for some people it could be affordable like technically they could afford it but um you know are we looking at affordability and access in terms of um it really satisfying the needs uh of the people that are purchased are having to purchase these products um which you know i personally believe they shouldn't have to uh um you know free flow as our podcast is called uh you know we don't choose um for you know, to menstruate so why should our um why should the products that we have to use to manage our periods also um not be free um so that's what i think yeah i think that's a really interesting take on it as well and like you were saying amy and like one of our interviewees was saying about how products can be really like personal and the use of products aren't always universal not everyone uses the same ones or not every product is comfortable for different bodies um and also I just think it's really interesting to think about where it is kind of deemed like socially acceptable to talk about menstruation in social spaces especially spaces as complex as college campuses and just thinking about like where these things are discussed and where it's kind of been ruled as like don't talk about that here and how that has an impact on like accessibility and also like what products are accessible when they are yeah and i think um an issue that we didn't even really um you know get the chance to discuss was you know the tampon tax and this idea that um you know these products are heavily taxed as well um, which is why I think we see such like, it feels like astronomical prices for these, um, you know, basic uh, products that we need. Um, I think there's only maybe, um, I'm, I saw a map and I think it showed that only, I think around maybe four or five states in the country don't tax um, for uh, period products, which is kind of crazy to me, um, just because it is something like, I don't know, toilet paper that is just needed for basic sanitary um, use. And I also thought it was interesting um, when I interviewed my friend and he um, does identify as a um, 
cisgender male, so he hasn't had to, you know, personally go through the uh, menstrual uh, uh, cycle, but he knew that it was an issue and he could, he was like, oh yeah, obviously, I, I mean, I assume that, you know, there wouldn't be good access to uh, these products. Um, so it shows that even, I think we all kind of have this basic understanding that it's an issue um, and whether or not it's dealt with, I think is more the question. It's, there is, I think this public awareness, um, even among, you know, non-menstruators that these products are, can be very expensive um, and are not readily accessible. Yeah. I think that you brought up the tampon tax or the like pink tax as it's called sometimes is really interesting as well because it kind of relates to what we've been talking about in class where like everything in our society has been reduced down to a price and everything in some realm relates to capitalism and how keeping a tax on these items or even keeping them as costing anything besides being free and accessible is keeping women or people who menstruate down and are holding them down in society. Yeah, I think it would be really interesting to sort of see, um, this is just bringing me to, uh, you know, statistics that um, speak to how much more the economy could benefit from, um, you know, if women were able to fully and actively participate in the economy um, just how much better that would be for everyone, and, um, and, and yeah, that's what that makes me think of, uh, you know, just, like, understanding, I mean, we shouldn't have to, not in a way where we need to justify, um, you know, women's, um, uh, menstrual and, uh, menstrual health and, and, and well-being and overall health, um, not that, not, not, not that that needs to be justified, through you know their economic value and contributions, but I do think it's interesting. Um, you know, even in the literature, we we saw um, that there was this need to really have to convince um, people in power to pass um, you know uh, these legis uh, legislation and policy um, that that advocate for menstrual equity. And so I I don't know. I think that would be an interesting way to sort of frame it. Um, so that everyone, not just, I mean, so that everyone who menstruates can benefit, but more importantly, understanding that their collective health is, um, their health is, you know, um, valuable to, to everyone's health and, and, and directly contributes to that. For question number three, we wanted to bring some data into the conversation. So we told the participants that a study from the University of Michigan reported that 14.2% of college-age people were not able to afford period products in the last year, and that an additional 10% experienced this every month. How does that make you feel? You know, think about it, right? Like, pads and tampons, they are not cheap. They are very expensive. You know, from my personal experience, I believe, I think I spend like about 25 a month alone. And, you know, I run out of them so quickly because the flow, it really depends on the woman. Some have very heavy flow, some have very light flow. For me, I'm a mid to heavy. And so I run out pretty quickly. And so I'm basically spending about 25 to 50 a month. It 
just not cheap and that's not fair you know again like what i was saying earlier it is a basic human right to have pads and tampons it should be free everywhere you know there's much more that i can get into about how maternity leave should be longer how mm. women should have days off for their periods just we we go through a lot and i think that it's not talked about women's right. health i don't think that it's talked about i think that it's neglected and i think it's important that we work on having these free products available because you know i'm fortunate where i can afford some of it but there are people that can't afford basic needs and that is a basic right like that's like medication like medication tampons pads they should all be accessible and they should all be even if if even if it's not free at least it should be cheaper so right. that statistic was shocking but unfortunately it's it's the truth and i don't i don't like that that needs to be changed well, i think all this also play a role in sort of informing other people of this issue it's informing menstruators and non-menstruators that this is a, an issue globally and maybe in the context of the US, yeah, domestically it's an issue. And also maybe colleges can provide information about different types of, like e even within, within this issue, what's sustainable, what's not, and, and, and such. So maybe the colleges can also introduce menstruators themselves to other methods of sort of um, helping themselves with their menstrual cycles as well, other than the common ones. So yeah, information and provision, that's the role of colleges. Mm, first of all, the data is like shocking. I mean like 14%, that's like a lot. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that resonates with me because like I live off campus, so I do groceries like mm -hmm. probably twice a week or like once a week. And like, for instance, when I noticed that, okay, my menstruation is coming then like, I have to like go get the products right and then like whenever I go to well, let's say price chopper for that and that is additional 10 bucks mm. so like given the, the economic situation right now in the US that like the inflation like the economic recession and etc etc is a lot yeah so like this really resonates with me and I'm not surprised by like this circumstance i feel and i feel also very frustrated because i feel like especially to women you know what i mean like why do we need to wor be worried about that that's something that i was thinking that is a super upsetting statistic i mean i wish people would realize that menstruation is an important aspect of health and health equity in general because it affects so much of the population but it's just become so taboo in society I I really like, uh, you know, the point that was made at the very end as well. Again, just that reminder that, like, why is um, menstrual, uh, you know, someone's menstrual health um, not seen as uh, a part of their, you know, overall physical health and well-being? Um, and I think hearing everyone speak it just made me think about how I feel like this is an issue that is not taken as seriously because, I mean, of course, everyone who menstruates doesn't identify as a woman, um, doesn't identify as a woman, but overwhelmingly, um, you know, I think there is an aspect to this issue where it's not taken as seriously because 
um, it is uh, something that affects um, something that affects women. And um, I think any time anything that we have to sort of purchase or any any purchases that we make, somehow there's a very sexist um, view of it being frivolous or or being trivial, not anything truly essential. And I think um unfortunately period products have kind of come under this even though um it is something so personal it is something so um inherent to our health um and so i don't know i think that was an interesting thing that that made me think of uh hearing everyone talk yeah to again bring up just the idea of like that pink tax and how even things other than like feminine hygiene products like razors or deodorant basically anything with like a female coded label slapped on it is automatically cost it costs more than the product that is produced for the male um gaze is just it's it's very it is very upsetting and it's very obvious and yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and in terms of like a college setting i mean you also have to remember that most of us um, it, were working jobs that were making, you know, minimum wage at, um, which is not, you know, I mean, we're in Massachusetts, we probably have one of the higher minimum wages, but in a lot of states, uh, minimum wage is less than $10, which is, I think, a number that we've heard uh, in terms of how much buying a pack of tampons, for example, would cost. So if what you're making per hour is less than, you know, how much some a box of tampons that you need um a, maybe a couple for you know per per month or you know uh, per cycle it's it's that that statistic is you know it's shocking um because how are we supposed to afford something that is a necessity if um you know what we're making is not um is not allowing us to do so um and i think you know as young college students um we are you know a vulnerable community because we don't um you know have the same um economic stability as you know people who are working full-time jobs um so there needs to be more access to these products so that it can be one less thing that we have to worry about you know uh, financially um and that we can you know be able to pay for other things such as groceries I think that is interesting, right? So like when in all the podcasts, all the interviews, um, everyone kind of mentioned that like it's very frustrating, but they're not surprised. And it's just upsetting to hear that when it speaks to the issues of, I think, like gender equality and providing access to like these kind of products for, for women. And I think there needs to be more actions, for example, like it also comes to the the part of like funding um to to run these campaign or like to provide access to products for for female students as well um so i think it's not only just um about raising public awareness but i think it's also should be the responsibility of um the school, the policy, and that goes into funding as one of a lot of like literature that we did 
um, there's a lot of detail that mentioned that like one of the re main reason main reason that like these campaign cannot uh, run effectively was because they there's a lack of funding to provide to to run these um, campaign and to provide like um, different type of products or like equal access to to these product for for female students. So I think that there definitely needs more action, not only from like the student, but also from uh, others, uh, stakeholder that uh, are involved as well. Yeah, and I think it also goes back to the idea of like making, you know, the private public in the sense that I think a lot of times we view, um, you know, menstruation is a private issue and something that is, you know, the responsibility is placed on the individual um, rather than realizing that um, it's a issue that affects so many that it should be more of a public issue and that universities, for example, should um, help uh, people who menstruate um, in having access to these products because uh, we are such a large number of, you know, campuses and it is such an important issue in our lives. Um, and it's not something that should be solely fall on the individual to take care of because not everyone has um, the financial ability to do so, and we shouldn't expect them to either. Lastly, we asked our interviewees if menstrual equity was a problem that affected them personally, and if not, if it was a problem that they would advocate for. So I actually, you know, this is not my story to tell, but I did have a friend who was telling me about their experience with menstrual equity and how when they were back in their home country, they had gotten their period and they actually couldn't attend their own uncle's wedding because they had to be secluded. And so, you know, it's, I think it's important to raise awareness that in the United States, sure, it is accepted, you know, we do have products available. We do still need to make it free in bathrooms, but in other countries, like, you, you know, people will look at periods very differently. And you know, it is in my own culture as well, like in terms of religious ceremonies, like, you know, if you have your period, you can't attend, you have to be secluded. Um, at least in my religion, like you can't talk to a man, you can't hear a man's voice, you have to be secluded for seven days. Um, actually, sometimes you are left in a dark room where you have no food and water and people have to bring it to you. And so it's very dehumanizing almost. And, it makes me think about how, even though we like to say that that was the olden days and that was what the 1900s, unfortunately still happens to this day. My friend is my age. It happened to her when she was 15. That was what, in the 2000, 2014 or so? Like that's still, that's pretty recent. Like, and so it's, it's important to acknowledge that this issue still happens everywhere and that we have to be more accepting of menstrual equity. We have to be more accepting of that periods are okay. It's a natural thing that women go through. And I think the society needs to be better about not only accepting us, but helping us out too. And I think that it is definitely not talked about as much as it should be, but I think that we are the voice of change and we can definitely start this. And your podcast and your project is a great way to start the conversation. I don't believe that non-menstruators are aware. Uh, again, I, of course, there, there, there are people who are aware. There are people who have had it pointed out to them. There are people who have had had this education. But there is definitely a need for more education about this issue um, to non-menstruators. Non-menstruators, because a lot of the times it's brushed off as something that's 
you know, it, it's 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 a it's a private matter or, or stuff like that. There's sort of stigma around it, and especially, um, especially in maybe outside the U.S. where I'm from, uh, it, it it's a much bigger issue because people don't even talk about it. People just yeah, here uh, after coming, I'm realizing that most people know like like the culture is changing a little bit. The stigma is sort of going away, but at the same time, there. Are like there are a lot of people who just don't care. There are a lot of non-menstruators who think, "Oh, this doesn't affect me, so I don't need to think about this stuff." But they do play a role in sort of fighting for menstrual equity because, you know, that you you. This is a large percentage of the population, like maybe most of the population that that that's suffering with this um, sort of inequity, where they they can't afford or they they don't have proper access to uh, menstrual products. So. That should be a concern for everybody, and everybody should have the education so that they're more aware. Of I feel like menstrual equity definitely does affect me, as I mentioned earlier. How like I struggle when I like see the bill, additional ten bucks is like a lot to me. Like so, definitely yes, mm -hmm. and I definitely think that is like a public health issue that is like connected with other a lot of like systemic issue like regarding like economic inequity um social immobility etc etc so like that's something that should be advocated for so mm -hmm. yeah i'm lucky enough to have access to period products during my cycle my mom loves to send me care packages from home that include many products including tampons and pads and i'm super thankful but being an out-of-state college student provides some challenges with healthcare and finding access to medical help in a new state if I did ever need these resources, just because they aren't always available or easy to find. I think it was, it's just really interesting to point out like also how menstrual equity isn't very visible before college, or at least for me, before I got to college, it wasn't a very visible issue. I grew up in a really wealthy white suburb where menstrual equity definitely wasn't as big of an issue or wasn't projected as much of an issue. Or for me or my family, my friends, um, finding access to healthcare or menstrual products was never quite an issue. So I think colleges can play a really important role in being a space for speaking about menstrual equity. I totally agree. Before I came here, um, I didn't think much about menstrual equity. And I think it's actually a really good way to learn more about menstrual equity as well. And also to know that like there's a lot of people that's struggling with, um, you know, uh, purchasing like menstrual products and there should be more uh, approaches to provide um, equal access to, to these kind of products. Yeah, I went to a um, public school in um, New York City, and there we were um, having conversations about uh, not having um, like period products in the bathrooms. And that was like a big debate, um, I think, starting in middle school. Um, and when they did introduce these products, they wouldn't be uh, restocked, um, which was very infuriating. Um. 
short interviews were really insightful for us as we were learning more about menstrual equity and how it affects everyone differently. And we hope that you learned something too. Menstrual equity is something that affects people who menstruate all over the world, but it's important to remember that it's also happening locally. If you're looking to help make a difference in the world of menstrual equity and make menstruation more manageable for people who are affected by menstrual equity, here are some things you can do. Donate new, extra, and unused period products to shelters, food banks, or other organizations around you that collect donations. Learn more about the politics and systems in place at your university, job, or school that reinforce menstrual inequity and push back against these policies and systems. Learn about local organizations and resources near you that fight for menstrual equity. If anyone in the Clark community is interested in learning more, Clark's student-run Menstrual Equity Alliance has some great resources on their Instagram. Their handle is at ClarkU underscore M-E-A. Thank you for listening to our podcast, and we hope we have encouraged you to speak out for people who menstruate and break down the barriers of equal access. This is Anna again for Indigo Radio, and I just want to give a big thank you to Chloe, Meher, Amy, and Cam, who put together that podcast for us. And thank you so much for tuning in to Indigo Radio. We will be back next week, and we're going to go out with Dolly Parton's song, The PMS Blues. Thanks so much. Happy Sunday. Eve, you wicked woman, you done put your curse on me. Why didn't you just leave that apple hanging in the tree? You make us hate our husbands, our lovers, and our boss. Why I can't even count the good friends I've already lost. Cause the PMS
What are you looking at? 